close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brendan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 50, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? Better than I have been, Brennan. How are you? No, I'm pretty good. <laughs> we are. We're back. We're back. Back from our vacation. Yay! We have been gone. We've actually been out of the studio for almost a month. I know, and I think I saw you once during that time. I think it was twice. I think we went for lunch. And then oh, we, yeah. We hung out a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're but, right. But yes, we've been... Uh, Certainly not in the studio, though. No, Nowhere near a microphone. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we've been away, and it's been, been nice to have a break. Oh, well, I should say I've had a break. You have not had... We've had a break, but it's not been the same. No. And this is this has actually been something you've been dealing with for a while. Yeah. But you've just sort of not talked about it on the show. And I haven't really been able to deal with it because I didn't really know what was going on. Of course, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. why don't you uh, t- tell us a little bit about that? Well, okay. So you know in the movie Kindergarten Cop where the kids are like, it's a tumor. And Arnold's like, it's not a tumor. I do. Yes. Yeah. Well, mine turns out it actually is a tumor. <laughs> I, I shouldn't laugh at that. I shouldn't <laughs> laugh. But I'm going to. So, yeah. Um... There's a condition called acromegaly, and you know if any of this sounds familiar to you, go and get it checked out um, because I didn't, and I didn't know any better. Um, for years, ten years at least, I've had problems with high blood pressure, um, swelling joints. Uh, I had to get a CPAP machine. I had to have carpal tunnel surgery. All of these things, and nobody ever put it together. And it was actually my dear sainted mother, who was a retired nurse in Calgary, who when I was in uh, Calgary in August said, you know. I think that's acromegaly. And I'm like, acro what? Never met her. No. So yeah, right. So when I Googled it, yeah, I had literally every symptom. So went back to my doctor, told her what I thought, and she said, let's get some tests done. And the biggest test they do is uh, basically for growth hormone. Right. Normal growth hormone is in an adult is between 64 and 200 is the level. Mine was 948. Okay. Yeah. Always an overachiever. Always an overachiever. Yeah. Try hard games. (laughs) So she sent me for an MRI and and all these other things. And turns out, yes, I have a tumor on my pituitary gland, which pumps out extra large amounts of extra growth hormone, which is what is the root of literally every other health problem I've been experiencing for 10 years. Wow. But being an asshole still you. Well, that's all me. That's fair. That's just, (laughs) although after surgery, that may change. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I hope not. I'll be like Boo. super mellow and it'll be like having a lobotomy in the 50s. <laughs> they, um, so I'll be having some light brain surgery. Yes. Um, I call it light because they don't actually crack open my skull. So I consider that light. No, you were saying they go in through the, they punch through the sinus? Yeah. They go up your nose, punch through the sinus, and then they try and remove the tumor that way. The biggest concern afterwards is brain fluid leaking out of your nose. Well, that's, that is a concern. I like my brain fluid exactly where it is. Right? So I can't pick anything up over five pounds for a month. A lot of things are over five pounds. I'll, I'll, most things I enjoy are over yeah. five pounds. <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting, um, no kidding, interesting time. So right now, though, in December, I got my very first shot of a very expensive drug. Yeah, you were saying it's like twenty six hundred bucks a shot. Yeah, I'm really grateful because the uh, cancer agency covers that because it is a tumor drug. Right. Um. So it's covered, but I I get it once a month, and within three days, 
three days of getting this first shot, my blood pressure went to optimum, my blood sugar went to optimum, all the other symptoms have started going away, my hands are shrinking, the fingers, like this finger is... Holy becoming, shit, Isn't yeah. that wild? That is wild. Um, so everything, so yeah, it's incredible. And in one shot, my growth hormone cut in half. It's now in the 450s instead of the 950s. God so, damn. Yeah. Well, yeah. that is that is great. Only took me ten years to figure it out. Well, that's fine. <laughs> so I'm sharing it for two reasons. One is seriously, every time I go onto this support group I'm in on Facebook, the comments are continually, "I wish I'd known sooner." Yes. I wish I knew sooner because the damage can be undone, um, but it'll never be completely undone with me. Right. Um, so that's really important for people to know. So if you know of this, other symptoms include like your jaw keeps growing, your shoes don't fit anymore, and maybe a favorite hat doesn't fit because the only parts of your body that still grow as an adult are your skull, your jaw, your hands, your feet, um, uh, this sorts of things. So keep that in mind. And the other reason was uh, if I have surgery, I may be skipping out on a couple of episodes as I stop brain fluid from leaking out of my head. Yeah, because I don't want that shit on microphones. No, gross. Boo. It's so crusty. Keep your gross illness away from my equipment. <laughs> but I also think, um, I also think, uh, you know, it's just a good thing to know. And I think it's a good excuse. Why are you not on the episode, Ian? I had brain surgery. Oh, uh, I missed the brain surgery. What a whiner. Pussy. Yeah. So anyway, yes. sort of a public service announcement. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm happy you finally shared that with everyone. Yeah. Uh, of course, as I say, we've, we've talked about this for uh, quite a bit now for the last few months. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And God bless my mom. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is, that's lucky, man. Because you, you said you have someone in your family who had this condition go undiagnosed. Yeah. And she was... Uh, Unintelligible. Yeah, no. Her tongue grew so big, right, that she could no longer keep it in her mouth. Oh my god! And her jaw grew so big, um, she couldn't really talk anymore. This was back in the sort of the sixties. It was an aunt of my mom's, an right. older aunt, um, and which, they, which isn't that they, far away from like you got ghosts in your blood, do cocaine about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. there wasn't anything they could do about it back then. Of course, right? I mean, that's the thing. There was really not a lot they could do. It's still a very, very rare condition. Only six thousand people in Canada have it. Huh? That's not many no so um hence why the drugs are so expensive yeah no fair enough but um it is out there people do have it and yeah so there you go well thank you for sharing thank you for listening and uh I enjoy the mockery <laughs> i have not yet begun to mock oh i know. just wait till you're back from your surgery <laughs> so how was being neutered in <laughs> <laughs> How is your happy housewife surgery? That's right. right. <laughs> the, the old lobotomy ice pick. <laughs> and uh, for our listeners out there, if Ian does have to miss an episode or two in the coming months, don't worry about it. We'll still keep uh, keep releasing. We have a contingency plan in place. We do. We've talked about it. And yeah. it's, it's all good. So not to worry. He, Ian no. will be okay, and the show will still be here. Yeah. Even if I die in surgery? Yeah. Oh, you'll have a oh, then I special get the, tribute episode. I get the memoriam boost. Oh, I love it. Yeah. We may have way more downloads. Now, now, now I'm going to start trying to think about pay off the surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just slip. It's fine. Here, it's fine. here, Ian, can you sign these 25 shirts? No, no reason. <laughs> I guess now I feel like I, I shouldn't really talk about my break because I wasn't dealing with anything like this. I'm sorry. How was your break, Brennan? Well, <laughs> I played a lot of pinball. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah, no, it was my life just, yeah. I'm unemployed now. That's fun. Wow. So that that kind of snuck up on How's me. How's that going? Uh, it's only been a week. Okay. So I, I've got, uh, I've got a couple things on the horizon. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not totally without, uh, without a plan. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a huge surprise, but it, it was coming. 
I just didn't know when it was coming. Right. So it's, uh, as I said, my, my last day was the 15th of the month. So it, it's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll figure something out. And in the, as I said. You always do. That's it. You kind of land on your feet like a <laughs> cat. I'm very, uh, I'm very lucky that way. Very so resilient. I'm not going to worry too much about it. But apart from that, my break was spent, yeah, playing pinball, <laughs> watching a lot of movies. Okay, pretty much the same. Yeah, no, More nothing. doctors involved. But other than that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I made a, not a resolution really, but once, once we started the break, I, I decided I am going to let myself enjoy the things I enjoy. You're going to play. I'm going to play. Good. Because my anxiety is such yeah. that when I'm not working, it's hard for me to enjoy anything because all I can think about is the fact that I'm not working. I should be working. Yes. Yeah. So after we, we hit the break, once the, the last episode was up, the Christmas episode was up, I thought, no. And so I sat down and I have seen since the break, I would say I've seen almost 50 movies. Wow. Yeah. Something like that. That's a lot of movies, my friend. I'm impressed. Thank you. (laughs) That level of dedication is hard to find. Oh, man. I I found this app called Letterboxd. Right. And it lets you assemble. It's a hugely comprehensive thing, and you can make a list of all the movies you've seen. I'm I'm horrified to ask. Oh, so I I did this. Yeah. And uh, at the time, I compiled the list. And, of course, some of these were going back to when I'm in high school. Uh, You know, a lot of direct-to-video stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little hazy. Yeah. Um, But it was about 2,900... Oh. And 70. Wow. And by the time I finished compiling the list. Well, I'm now over 3,000. Wow. Yeah, I watched Hitchcock, Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt for 3,000. That's 3, amazing. So, and, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have a description for this. No. It's just. Uh, I saw a couple of movies over the break. Well, we'll talk about those in the water. Yeah, cooler. absolutely. Fantastic. I, I was, and, and two of them had the same actor in very different roles. Ooh, I'm interested. Oh, it's brilliant. Of course, the water cooler episode is for patrons. Yeah. You can support us at uh, patreon.com slash ghost story guys. Yeah. $5 tier and above gets you access to all of our uh, water cooler episodes, bonus material. Actually, we've got Luke is uh, almost ready to produce his first ever Luke lore. Excellent. Which uh, every month Luke is going to do a deep dive into a different subject mm-hmm. and you will be hearing his voice. Very cool. And actually everyone will be hearing his voice uh, next week. That's right. We're going to have the That's big right. uh, the big group record. But anyways, we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We're we we're so happy to be back. So, we are back. It is episode 50. We've been this is the beginning of our 3rd year of the yeah, Ghost Story guys. Wow. And we thought finally it was time <laughs> to do this thing we talked about for a long time. We're going to do the Mythical Dream episode, which is Probably two years in the making. It absolutely is yeah, two years because yeah. some of the emails we, we got were from 2017. Oh, you went mining. I did, yes. Excellent. And so uh, people have been sending us their precognitive dreams or sometimes we think maybe haunted dreams yeah. or past life dreams yeah. for the better part of two years since we've been doing the show. Yeah. And so this episode, we're going to be sharing those stories and talking Finally. about them. Yes. <laughs> and there's actually, there's one uh, that I may have found uh, maybe a past life dream that I may have found a real life analog for. That's amazing. So we're going to be getting into that soon. Uh, Just like we did last year on our uh, Back from the Break episode, we're going to be playing some Hexagram Mm -hmm. on this week's show. Their new album, Crystal Lake, just dropped uh, just before the new year. Yep. And it's a fantastic album. Yeah, it is. Now, I'm a little biased because I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen to the first track, uh, it's a little, I call it a little sound scene. 
uh, that sort of sets the mood, and I made that, and they decided to incorporate it. Nice, yeah. so that's you, awesome. You'll hear this. Uh, this sounds like a child's voice. It's actually me. I pitch shifted my voice. <laughs> I'm very very pleased with myself. <laughs> that's about creepy. This. Okay, I know, right? Yeah. But yes, the album is Crystal Lake. It's from Hexagram. You can find that on Bandcamp at Hexagram with two X's, not three. dot Bandcamp. dot com, and on all the major streaming platforms: Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music. We're going to be sharing two songs today. The first you'll be hearing in the bumpers, and that's the title track, Crystal Lake. And then in the outro, we'll be playing the final track, There Are No Answers. Coming up after the break, the Mythical Dream episode. As we said before the break, this is finally our mythical dream episode. Mythical dreams. And, uh, you know, it's actually been a really weird week for dreams in my house. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, uh, my wife actually, Nikki, she woke up and she, or pardon me, she had a dream that someone in her family was very, very ill. Right. So she, uh, woke up and it really upset her. And I said, well, tell you what, maybe you just. Maybe give them a call. I don't yeah. think they're ill, yeah. but maybe give them a call. Just check in with them She's, because she hasn't talked yeah. to this person in a long time and they're not ill, but they are going through a very hard time. Oh. And so it, and, and have been for maybe about a couple weeks now. Okay. So it was, you know. She picked up on the energy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and checked in with her. And it then, doesn't mean physically ill. No, that's right? it. Like it can mean spiritually ill, emotionally ill. Like we don't, we're so quick to just assign a, a oh, they're really, really ill. And that means physical, but it doesn't. No, that's it. I think because we, we take things so literally. We do. But yeah. I don't think dreams work that way. No. You know, I think, cause I, and I know there are people who think dreams are only you sorting through the events of the past day. Yeah. And, and there are those dreams. And some of them are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I watched, uh, during the break, I watched the, of, of the many films I watched, <laughs> I watched the entire Hatchet series. Okay. And those are ultra violent horror comedies. Uh, <laughs> Of course they are. Where a uh, um, uh, supernatural swamp man rips people in half. Right. Like literally in one scene, rips someone in half. <laughs> and 
consequently, I had this a couple really horribly violent dreams. I can't imagine why. No, Kelmus so here. Weird, yeah. But I don't think that someone was coming for me. I think no. it was just no. My brain is trying to deal with all this extreme imagery. I have that sometimes with books. Like I've read books where I'm really into the story. I'm really connecting with the characters, and I always read before bed. Right. And um, I'll read, and then I'll be like, okay, I got to go to sleep, and then I have the worst sleep because my brain can't stop processing the characters and what's happened to them and so i get it you you or something like what you're describing something really violent or upsetting or disturbing and your brain sort of is on tick over going wait what did we just see like uh, yeah how does that just work and more importantly why why yeah. are you subjecting me to this you well, bastard why are you trying to give me ptsd yeah, <laughs> yeah so exactly i get it uh but the dreams we're going to be sharing have all come from our listeners yeah some of which, as we mentioned again before the break, go back is almost two years. Yeah. So embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to everyone who wrote in. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start with a story from Charles. Charles says, firstly, I suffer from sleep paralysis, getting an episode or two a few times a year. The other day I had two back to back. I mentioned this so you understand that I know what sleep paralysis is. On two different occasions, I felt I was held down and both times they woke me up. But when I woke, it still felt like something was pushing my shoulders and head into the bed. When I was little, I lived in a house close to the Ohio River. I don't know if I had some power or what off. It was tense, and dogs would randomly start barking at the floor or the vents or nothing at all. Shortly after, something bad would happen, always to my cousin. She'd fall off her bike, get her lips split open, trip. It always led to an injury of some kind. I'm just going to jump in and say that I do think the proximity of the river yep. has some importance. 100%. 100%. Because I, I have family in Revelstoke who live on the river, and I think that may be why I can never sleep in their house. Right. Because it is a wild and woolly night yep. every time. Yep. And I There's think- power there. So getting back to Charles' story, he says, I personally never felt threatened, but there was one time that to this day still freaks me out. It was the middle of the night and I was asleep on the couch next to my mom. My aunt was also in the room having fallen asleep on the love seat. I woke up while they were still sleeping. Everything looked normal, everything looked right, except I felt odd. Then these two kids showed up, a few years younger than me, I was around 10. I don't remember much about what they were wearing, but I remember they were young. We played in my room with Legos and blocks, and then I remember just waking up on the couch. I don't know if it was just a dream, but I never had another so vivid at that age. I've also never ever had a dream where I remembered how it started, and when I woke up, literally everything and everyone in the house was like it was when I woke up in the dream. Have you ever heard of ghosts communicating through dreams? Sure. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. Lastly, this is the experience that scared me the most. I was around 15, living in an apartment building in a completely different city than where the other dreams happened. I was home alone, so I was goofing off. I got the idea that I should try and play with magic. Great idea. <laughs> so I looked up spells and all that jazz online. Harmless stuff I knew probably wouldn't work. I literally scrolled through these spells, doing my best to cast each one trying to get the words right, the whole nine yards, nothing happened. But at some point during the night, I woke up into the pitch blackness of my room feeling anxious. Out of the corner of my eye in the doorway of my room, I saw something. A guy of average size, lit slightly by the light from the hall. I could make out some facial hair, but everything else was shrouded in shadows. Instantly, I was petrified. I looked again and he was gone, but the fear still gripped me like the jaws of life. He, it, didn't hurt me. Didn't come towards me, didn't make a fuss, but something about him was wrong. Scary, like you were looking at a nightmare. I didn't go back to sleep. I turned on all the lights and curled up on the couch. Do you think I accidentally opened up some door or inadvertently gave off enough energy for it to manifest? And yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I emailed him back and said, oh yeah, 
Yeah. I'm without a doubt. Anytime you're opening a door of any kind, saying spells, playing with a Ouija board, anything like that, you've got to be prepared for what may come running down the hall. Yeah, because I, I don't think it's even necessarily the power of the spell or no. the Ouija board. No. It's you opening yeah. up. 100%. And it's, again, we've talked about this before, intention. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there, it reminded me of a story, which I think I've mentioned on the show before, but I'll, I'll say again uh, for people who haven't heard the back catalog, because I can't for the life of me remember where I told it. But when I was a kid, my grandmother would look after us. Right. Because my mom was working and my dad wasn't around. And she loved tabloids. So she would buy the Star and the Inquirer okay, and yeah. leave them around the house. Right. And so I, at a very young age, developed my finely honed <laughs> Italian sense you... of gossip. And news. And news, yes. <laughs> and scantily clad ladies, but that's another thing entirely. <laughs> Lonnie Anderson wore what? All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember her. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so in one of these things, one time, I think I was nine, nine or ten, there was a thing about... Um, drawing power from the earth, you know, is your energy low? Right. And now of course I was nine or 10, my energy was not low, but this sounded like superhero stuff. Right. And that sounded pretty cool. Right. So they, they described, uh, uh, an exercise you could do, which would give you the energy. Yeah. You know? And so I tried it and of course nothing happened. But then when I went to bed that night, I felt rooted to the spot. And as I was laying in bed, it was, it was like eight 30. It wasn't late. I remember because I could see the uh, lights on my little digital alarm clock. Right. I saw in the darkness what looked like two bats flying above my bed, oh just boy. swirling back yeah, and forth. Yeah. And I thought bats had gotten into my room. Right. So I tried to call out for my mom to say, hey, you know, bats. Yeah, uh, come deal with it, mom. Yeah, hey. <laughs> I don't know, I'm nine, what the hell am I going to do? Uh, but I couldn't move. Hmm. And as I lay there watching these things swirl above me, they dove down through my chest and I remember feeling like electricity mm. shot through my body uh -oh. and then I passed out. Yikes. And now I'm not sure if this is, if this timeline matches up, but I underwent a major personality change. Right. When I was a kid from the great time from, from grade four to grade five. Right. I went from being a goofy class clown, always talking, always got something to say, total silence. Wow. And I think that's where my depression started. Hmm. And interestingly enough, when I had my later experience as an adult with shadow people, yeah. my personality shifted for a shorter amount of time. Yeah. But it was, yeah, very similar. So it's opening the door. Yeah. yeah. So Charles, I definitely think that, uh, that's what happened. Obviously yeah. it turned out okay, but it's yeah. a, I think it's a good reminder. Just be careful. It's not a toy and no. you're not goofing around. No. And you can say, well, it's not real, but you know what, folks, <laughs> you, well, one, you're listening to the wrong show <laughs> if that's your point of view. And two, no, we don't understand what it is. No, but, nor do we pretend to. No, but this shit's out there. Yeah. So absolutely. be careful. Yeah. And then these three stories are similar. Uh, okay. So we're going to tell them as a group before we talk about them. The first one comes from Cherie. When we lived in Germany the second time, my father had a dream that really shook him. He said that he was at church and his family was crying. He felt that something had happened to his father. Later that day, his company commander came to him to say his family had contacted the U.S. Army Family Affairs. His father had passed away of a heart attack and he needed to come back to the U.S. There was no way for my father to know that his dad was rushed to the hospital and that he died all the way overseas. This next one's from Kevin. Back in 2003, my father was sick with cancer. We all knew it wasn't looking good. So the family started making trips to see him one last time. My two nieces came down from Ontario to see him before he got really sick, and they had a visit with him for about a week, and then went home. 
Last week, my oldest niece was telling me that she knew he had passed before she got the phone call. She remembers having a dream in which she was in my father's kitchen. Elvis was playing on the radio, and my dad was coming upstairs from the basement. She said he walked over, gave her a hug and a kiss, and told her he loved her very much. He then walked down the hallway towards the front door. When he opened it, she said it was really bright outside, almost white. He turned to her and said he had to go now, but to always remember how much he loved her. He then walked out the door, and she woke up. As she woke up, she said her phone was ringing, and it was us calling to say that he'd passed. Uh, that, and that's actually not uncommon. Yeah. Again, we've got this thing in modern society. We, we don't talk about this stuff as yeah. much. But in the book, Psychical Phenomena in the War, which we took uh, yep. this uh, bonus episode six from, there's a whole chapter on this. Yeah. A whole chapter full of people who knew their loved ones had died in the war and knew on the day it happened, not the day they got the message. Right. And so, I've heard this repeatedly from people. Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we even talked about it a little bit on our last episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there, I think there's one more. Yeah. The last one's from Lee. In my late 30s, my husband started to lose weight without reason. He is high energy, and I always feel as though it's my job to calm his fears and not inflate them. He definitely has a guardian angel. In a dream, my grandmother came to me. She was forceful and unyielding, telling me that my husband was dying, and I awoke with tears in my eyes. I remember laying in bed watching him dress and seeing his weight loss differently. Within days, he was diagnosed as being in the very early stages of cancer. It is many years past but I'm so grateful for the message that I needed to hear. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I think it's another case of just listen. Yeah. You know, you know pay, attention. It, it, pay attention. Pay attention. I, I think even if you want to look at this from the perspective of, if you want to dismiss the supernatural element, yeah. this is your subconscious saying something is wrong. You're noticing something, yeah. but consciously you're not seeing it the right way. Although I, I mean, I do think there is a paranormal element to these. Yeah. Because you know, otherwise it wouldn't be here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think even if you want to dis discount that because it makes you uncomfortable, you still need to acknowledge your subconscious is seeing this and telling you to go look into yeah, it. Absolutely. This next story is from Lindsay. Uh, on a previous episode, she shared other stories with us, but we've been saving this one for the dream episode. She says, Greetings from the bizarre wild west of the American Southeast, Florida. Anyway, I know you guys joke about doing a dream episode eventually, which happens to be where the bulk of my supernatural experiences come from. I've been having dreams about ghosts and demons for close to 10 years now, including a particularly vivid one where I dreamt I was possessed by a demon that forced me to drive to my parents' house with the intent to harm them and other awful things. And that, uh, that story is one we have had, we have shared on the show before. A lot of these dreams are very similar. I'm alone in my house, often in my daughter's room, when an oppressive presence makes itself known. Usually this is marked by increased pressure in my chest and inner ear, and something in the room around me being moved aggressively, doors slamming, furniture shaking, etc. It tends to be the fear that wakes me up. In my dreams, I used to try praying. I don't identify as Christian now, but did when growing up in a Christian household, but did grow up in a Christian household which would usually have little to no effect except once when I was being suffocated. I would never see anything corporeal in these dreams except for one exception, where a spirit manifested itself as a copy of me in my bedroom. I calmly told it to go away, this was my house, and it wasn't allowed. I didn't have any more ghost-slash-demon dreams for a long time after that. Pagans might say that this time of year, uh, we receive this in winter, is more spiritually active, that the extended hours of darkness are a manifestation of the veil thinning. Who knows? In the past three weeks or so, I've had an uptick in these dreams. One started with dreaming about waking up from my nap, to the sensation of my hair being lifted and tugged by unseen hands. In my dreams, this feeling wakes me up and I look down the hall to see my bathroom light flicking on and off. 
What makes this dream particularly interesting is that just a few days later, I dreamt that my late grandfather, who passed away 10 years ago and whom I've never dreamt about ever, materialized in my house with a big grin on his face. He was a real prankster when he was alive, so I can't help but wonder if he thought giving me a little spook from the other side would be funny. The most recent dream, however, is a real doozy. I dreamt that me, my daughter, a good friend, and her young son were all hanging out in my room together. The bed was suddenly pushed very violently, and the closet doors slammed open, the familiar, sickly feeling of panic and terror gripping my gut. Then something very unusual happened for me. My own voice spoke to me in my head. I'm dreaming, it said. Suddenly that fear became anger at this thing invading my home and trying to scare me. So I grabbed both the children, closed my eyes, and used my mind to build a tower around us, surrounded by crystal spikes. Monstrous shadow figures impaled themselves on these spikes trying to reach us, and an angel appeared with a sword in its hand. I woke up after this feeling calm and peaceful and wondering what the hell that was all about. Lindsay also shared one more uh, dream with us. You know how in some dreams you can sort of see or be aware of yourself doing something while not fully being in your body? Like you kind of view yourself halfway out of your body? That happened in this dream, except it wasn't my body. In real life, I have blonde hair, blue eyes, and an angular face. In my dream, I had another face entirely. Dark eyes, dark hair, a heart-shaped face, and very pale skin. I was a doctor in Eastern Europe during some kind of military conflict. The hospital where I worked was one of the last buildings with people in it, and I worked the children's ward. I had to leave, soldiers were coming, and somehow I knew they'd kill me, possibly from my ethnicity or religious background. The children were upset, but I told them they'd have a better chance of surviving if I wasn't around. The dream then skipped to me being in hiding, and someone informing me of villages of Muslim minorities being bombed. I started sobbing and crying out in Russian. I don't speak Russian. I go back to the town I'd been working in to check the hospital for survivors. When I get to the children's ward, the children are all gone, and one bed is full of blood. I leave the hospital and stumble through the bombed-out town. The sky is full of dark clouds, and there are fires burning around me. Things to note about this, I'm not particularly well-versed in Eastern European history. I never studied it in depth at school. I don't watch war movies. They have always made me feel anxious and sad. I don't speak Russian. My family has no Eastern European lineage. I read a book over a year ago set in Chechnya, but to me it seems unlikely for something so far back to have influenced a dream in such a unique and powerful way. So I I had a look into this just because mm-hmm. I was curious. And now, you know, if you've had some education on, on Eastern Europe, it's possible that Lindsay, that you, that you do this. Uh, and I did try and get a hold of Lindsay, but I haven't heard back. I found that during the war in Yugoslavia in 1993, when it was still Yugoslavia, there was a hospital called the Drin hospital. It was just outside the town of Foynitsa. And apparently there was a, a ward full of people with, um, sort of mental handicaps and right. their children. Right. The doctors left all oh, of them. Wow. They abandoned the kids there. Jesus. And, uh, then of course, during that same conflict, um, because Lindsay talks about finding, hearing that Muslim villages were being right. bombed. Well, of course that happened in Bosnia. That was the ethnic cleansing. Wasn't yeah. They were, yeah. they were called the Bosniak people and right. their villages were bombed. So, I mean, I don't know how old Lindsay is. 1993 is, I guess, 25 years ago. Uh, but, uh, it's interesting that, you know, she had these dreams. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, Lindsay, if that's, that's what I found. Thank you for sending those in. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Our next dream comes from Winter. I'm not actually sure if what I experienced is a dream, although it definitely starts that way. I tend to forget about how truly awful it is because it happens so rarely. I don't usually remember the start of the dream, but at some point it starts going wrong. Everything takes on a sinister air and slowly morphs into this horrifying living nightmare. It changes from an actual dream to me being inside the dream in a visual auditory sense, but I can feel the real world physically. I just can't escape the dream and make it back to reality. 
This happened last night, and it was worse than any other experience I've ever had. I can't remember how I got there, but I was in a dark, dank cottage, and I could hear something breathing outside the window. It sounded huge and threatening, and I just knew it was waiting for me to step all the way into its world so it could have me. Since I'm still able to feel the physical world, I can feel the bedposts even though I can't see anything that is in my actual bedroom. I was holding onto my bed and screaming for my husband, but my voice was so tinny and far away I knew he wouldn't hear it. At this point, I'm teetering on the edge between the real world and the dream version. I can feel my bed, but I'm still looking at the window and listening to the breathing desperately, trying to wake up before it's too late. Then something happens that breaks me out of it, and I wake up, huddling at the top of my bed frame, crying hysterically. I can't really put it into words how terrifying it is. It's hard to explain since a lot of what I feel and experience is intuitive, but it's like nothing else I've ever experienced. I've had sleep paralysis, which is also pretty frightening, and PTSD nightmares, but these dreams are so different, and I've never heard of anyone else having similar episodes. It's almost like a strange mix of lucid dreaming and a nightmare. I know it's a dream, but I have no control over anything, and it's extremely sinister. I'm curious if anyone else has similar dreams or if y'all have any idea what it could be. And if you've had a similar dream, uh, let us know. Send us an email at uh, ghostgirlgmail.com. Yeah, terrifying. Though. That really is. Uh, and is actually similar to something that happened to a friend of mine. Hmm. And I, I've told the story on the show before, but I'm, I'm going to mention it again here. He had a dream where he was being chased. Uh, pardon me. He had a dream where he was back in his grandparents' house. Right. And he was being chased by a banshee of some kind, some kind of thing that was screeching at him. Right. And he knew he was, he knew he was asleep because he could see, he was aware of his bedroom. Right. But he was also aware of this other thing happening and he couldn't stop it from happening. Right. And this thing was chasing him. I think it finally uh, cornered him and really started howling at him. And finally he woke up, but his ears were ringing. Wow. Yeah. I know, right? That's crazy. Does he have an (laughs) ex-wife? He does not. Okay. He does not. Oh, there goes that theory. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Uh, And I, funny enough, the the idea of something huge outside the window is sort of waiting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That happened to me during this little weird interlude of dreams this past week where... In, in the dream, I'm, I'm in my house, not, not my apartment, but yeah. a house somewhere with my wife. And she mentions that the window is open and right. in the dream, I think, okay, well I'll close it. it because it's not an immediate threat. It's not like, oh shit, there's something coming. Right. It's just this idea that having this open is dangerous. Right. As I get to the window, this huge thing just launches itself through the window and rushes at me. Jeez. Yeah. And I woke up and that, that was it. So I, I don't know. That's not cool. No, it was not a pleasant dream. So Winter, I'm right there with you. This next is a short one. This is from Vivian. She says, I sleep talk. My husband will tell you that there have been times where I've shaken him awake and spoken nonsensical jargon to him. (laughs) Every once in a while, I'd point to the ceiling, turn my head towards him saying, you don't see it? It's right there. And then I'd roll over and fall back asleep. One of the most interesting times is right before my parents visit. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and speak to him in Chinese. Those are always fun. He'd ask me about it the next morning, and because I was dreaming the whole thing, I would have no recollection or memory of ever shaking him awake and speaking to him in either English or Chinese. Oh, wow. And I remember that happened. poor guy. One night I was sitting in the living room watching a movie, and I I heard Nikki laughing in the bedroom, and she was asleep. 
Weird. And yeah, you go into a darkened room where you hear a, a woman laughing in the corner. Not good. No. Not good. No. I, There's so many jokes about Nikki laughing in the bedroom. <laughs> where do I hit you to make the tumor worse? <laughs> God. No, don't turn loose. <laughs> All right. And uh, this next one is from Sarah. From 16 to 24, I was an extreme atheist that didn't believe in anything and scoffed at the idea of an afterlife or anything paranormal. I got out of being an atheist and being more of a theist, honestly, from your podcast, which got me onto a bunch of other shows that gave credible stories about unexplainable things. And I realized I was discounting things without thinking about it in fear of looking weird or something. That being said, I've had many experiences with dreams and weird coincidences that I figured I would share. The first one I will share is when I was 14 or 15. My great, great auntie Edna had been declining in her health with dementia, but she was still essentially a second grandma to my sister and I. She was hilariously sassy and was never able to have children of her own. So when we were born, she wanted us to treat, she wanted to treat us like dolls and dress us up, but would get annoyed when we acted like the annoying slobbery crotch fruit we were. <laughs> <laughs> she also collected Cupid dolls and had them everywhere, which was slightly creepy. Oh yeah. She also put me on a leash as a toddler and when we went out, so yes, I was a leash baby. Me too. <laughs> she babysat us for my parents and was around us a lot growing up and not to be biased, but I was her favorite because I was her first child she really got to bond with and was her surrogate baby she never got to have because her husband refused to have kids. Mm. Anyway, one night I had a strangely vivid dream about her where I was at her apartment. She was on her couch and offered me a cookie, which she always used to do behind my parents' back. I took it and we sat there and hung out. I don't remember the details, but remember it being quite vivid like a visit. And then I woke up to my parents sitting in the kitchen quietly talking to each other. Wouldn't you know it, she had passed away that very night. I didn't tell anyone because I figured they wouldn't believe me or would think I was making it up for attention, but it always stuck out as weird and that maybe she wanted to say one last goodbye to me, her favorite great-great-grandniece slash surrogate first baby. I haven't dreamed about her before that and haven't dreamed of her after that either. The next weird one was quite weird and also around the same time as my first story. One night I dreamed of this whole sequence where I got some type of cancer. The dream was just me getting diagnosed, the whole leading up to the chemo. The dream ended with me getting dropped off in front of the hospital for chemo. That's when I woke up and had to quickly get ready for school. My bus came at 7am and we arrived way before school started, so I got to hang out with my friends for quite a while before the bell rang. This particular morning I spent the bus ride thinking about the dream and listening to Green Day because it was 2006, but when I got to school everything was normal. That was until this one boy, who I wasn't friends with but hung out with my friends, announced that today was his 10-year cancer-free anniversary. Wow. I never knew he had cancer and thought he was kidding at first, but he was serious. He had never brought it up before, at least around me, and the coincidence of the event was odd. I have no memory of dreaming about cancer again. The next weird one happened this past February and was super odd. I quit my grocery store job about a year before, after almost 10 years of grocery hell, <laughs> and had worked at a jewelry store, but I took the school term off from the grocery to focus on my studies while I looked for a better second job. Good for you. Uh -huh. I had uploaded my resume to a job site where companies can also search for people. I was done with grocery stores and was looking for media jobs local to me because that's what my degree is for. I applied to a few radio stations and photography companies and didn't hear anything back from people for weeks. I gave up and promptly forgot this website. Fast forward a few months and I had a vivid dream where I was at the country grocer by my house. I was at a till with a young teenage boy cashier and I was trying to teach him how to use the till properly. The dream was awful because it was just me essentially working in my dream, helping this boy ring up people, bag items into their carts, all while in my local store. While I worked in grocery stores for years, I hadn't been a cashier at that point for at least a few years, working deli and office jobs in them, so it was odd. I woke up tired and bitter about having to work in my dreams, but brushed it off and went to school. 
While at school, I was checking my emails, and to my surprise, I had an email from the job site where the manager of the very same country grocer had somehow seen my resume and emailed me asking if I wanted to be their new cashier supervisor. I would be in charge of training the cashiers and generally helping run the front end. Wow. Yeah. I I kind of freaked out and declined the job. I couldn't work full-time while being in school, plus hell no. (laughs) But the coincidence was super weird to me. Why would I dream so vividly about teaching someone the till at the very store that 12 hours later would offer me that same job? I also hadn't applied for any grocery jobs and hadn't been on the site for months. It was just weird. So those are pretty cool. Thank you for sharing those, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I sent her a quite a long, scary email back uh, because... As you do. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Nine times out of ten, Ian does the email because when I reply, I... And it you know, takes him a day and a half. Exactly. Small novel. <laughs> and so Sarah got one of my small novels mm, and talking about dreams. And we never heard from her again. It's true, actually. <laughs> Story of my life. This is why I handle the email. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I shouldn't be allowed to handle the Instagram. <laughs> Please don't talk to the public. <laughs> but uh, no, it's fascinating for me because I, I sometimes wonder about about dreams like that. You know, right. are we are we peeking in on a life not lived? Are you know because I I once had a dream where I had kids and I was living in my mother's house. You know, peeking in Nathaniel. Fuck off. <laughs> Taking him to the arcade. Uh, <laughs> let's not dwell on that. That's one of my favorite stories about you now. Yes, I know it is. <laughs> and the short version is I had a dream where I was still living in Revelstoke, living in my mother's house. I had two kids. A boy and a girl? Fuck I'm it. just asking. I don't remember. Oh. I just know. Wow. I nice dad. <laughs> That's why I'm not a dad. I'd be a bad one. Where's the kids? Oh, Who? great. I was just at the grocery store. No, I'm not hungry. I bet you had them. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's why I don't have kids. I've known, it's one of the few things I've known about myself from the time I was a young man. Really? I never, ever want kids. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't wait. Fair enough. I'm I, super excited to oh, be a dad. Yeah. I've never in my life ever wanted kids. A couple that's times wild. I've been in relationships where we've had pregnancy scares. And you're like, oh, sweet Jesus. Terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Uh, no, I genuinely don't. I barely, I barely want pets. Wow. I barely want pets. Interesting. I, I am the guy, if you've got a problem, you call me, I come solve it, and then I leave. You're the fixer. I'm the fixer guy. Not the long-term investment nope. guy. <laughs> nope. That's not me. That's awesome. But anyways, so I had that dream where I had kids, and it, it, it was a long dream full of, again, I don't remember the specifics, but I remember feeling like a long time had passed when yeah. I woke up. And I just wonder, are you looking at different timelines? You know, are you looking at uh, a different life? You know, because we've talked about the idea that your consciousness is sort of like a sitting atop this diamond of possibilities. Right. And right. each face of the diamond is a different version of your life. Right. You know, and, and I wonder when things like this happen, you know, is that what she's seeing or is she just picking up ahead on the idea that this is a possible Well, that someone's outcome? energy is thinking about her and it's, she's picking up on it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm in some ways I think too, it can be like your dream where you had kids. Maybe that was your brain's way of experiencing that, of having that experience without actually having to have that experience. Right. Oh, right? that could and be. saying, oh, let's, what would it be like? And you're like, yeah, no. No. We're still happy not having kids. Nope. 100%. I remember having a dream as a kid where uh, my brother and I were, and I, I must have been around 10 or 11 and he was six or seven. And we were trudging through basically what were storm sewers. And um, there was a lot of slush and snow and we were both in snowsuits. And my brother ends up slipping and falling in and he dies. Oh, God. And I pull him out of the sewer and I am 
heartbroken and we fought all the time like we oh my god we fought and um i was so nice to him for like a year after that oh wow he was freaked out because i kept like i'd give him candy and i'd offer him <laughs> you know and he's like what's wrong with you what are you planning like is this a long con <laughs> that's right um, you're building up to something but it broke me it broke my heart in the dream that my brother had died and and all of a sudden he became that much more important to me so what was that was that my brain trying to process that or maybe realize loss or yeah almost like making you appreciate what you had yeah in a way and it did it wow. did it did we still fought like animals in our teen years like we oh both, yeah we had locks on our bedroom doors and we oh my god we were awful kids but now we're friends teenagers are shitheads and biology is yeah. hard to beat next story is from hannah now for my dream stories well at least i hope they were both dreams the first is when i lived in my old house and i must not have been much older than about six I had a dream one night that I was in bed, and at the foot of my bed was a figure. My room was normal, but lit differently than it would have been at night, as if there was a lamp behind the figure. The figure had a black body that was just a shape, as if a person was wearing a shawl or a cape, and the face was black and red patterns with short black horns, kind of like Darth Maul. This was probably in around the year 2000, so just after the release of The Phantom Menace, but I hadn't seen the film. I don't remember moving, but it's as if my view zoomed into this figure's face. It had a creepy smile, and it just kept getting closer. I don't know if I had this dream several times or just once, but even now, around 18 years later, it's crystal clear in my mind. The second story happened in November last year on a plane. I was flying back from Costa Rica, flying via Newark. I never travel well and get travel sick, and this was a long day. And it was the day before Thanksgiving, the worst time to be in a U.S. airport. I can confirm this. Oh, my Lord. We got on the eight-hour flight, and the pilot came on saying that the first half, four hours, would be very turbulent, with even the air stewards being unable to get out of their seats. Four hours of that shit? That's insane. Oh, Lord. Well, having been awake for like 20 hours, and after a few hours of flight, I somehow fell asleep. Just before I woke up, and I had what I assumed was a dream. I was in my seat on the plane, but around one to two foot higher than my actual head or view. I would see all in front of me to the plane, but everything was normal. My view then floated down to my actual position. Then, as I woke up, I had a strange sensation. It can best be described as what I imagined someone coming out of a fit feels like, where I was both tensed and relaxed and zoned out for a few seconds before taking a big breath and being fully awake. I clearly didn't have a fit because I was in an airplane seat next to my mom and she probably would have noticed. And funny enough, I know someone who had a dream where they stepped outside their body, almost like they had, almost like an out-of-body experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Um, He was uh, a guy I know who, I mean, at the time was doing a lot of drugs. So (laughs) Hannah, I'm sure this isn't you, but um, he was doing a lot of drugs and he passed out on the couch and then he, he got up and thought, man, I don't feel as hungover as I thought I would. Right. Went to the window. He's looking out the window. It's daytime and, you know, whatever. Turns to look back towards the couch. He's still there. (sighs) Oh, my Lord. And as soon as he saw that, he had this instant of panic and then woke up back in his body. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. But it was almost like he jarred himself out of his consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. With heavy drug use. Wow. And maybe the pure terror of being four hours 
in turbulence on a plane is what did it for Hannah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or just feeling like she was going to die anyway. Yeah, that too. <laughs> May as well prepare. <laughs> yeah. This is what it's like. And uh, this little story, actually, Hannah sent us some great stories for our emergency responders okay, episode. Okay, yeah. And uh, we missed this one. So I thought we would uh, share sure. this one now. It's not a dream, but it's just kind of a great story. I thought I would finish this with an interesting work story. As you may know, I work for the ambulance service answering 999 calls, <laughs> England. We recently got a request from a police to attend to support them. They had a call from someone who could hear a female screaming, but no one could access the house. Not unusual for us to be called to people just shouting for help. Normally, it's an older person who's fallen and can't get up. The police attended the property, broke the door in, but the house fell silent and was empty. Hoo-hoo. Yikes. Man. I'm not sure I'd want to go in an empty house with a screaming voice inside. No, that alone, you could not pay me to be a nope. cop. No. Nope, no. Nope. I hear weird cop stories all the time. Of course. <laughs> yes. I would love to do another emergency responder episode. Yeah. So if, if anyone out there, you have stories, send them to us. There are guys a lot. Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Crazy. This next story comes from Flow in DC. When I was around 10 or 11 years old, I dreamed of an old guy wearing a white dhoti, which is a piece of traditional Indian clothing, and a white t-shirt. He walked with a cane. I did not know this old gentleman, but we were both standing in a field owned by my grandmother, and I felt like I knew him. When I walked up to him, he put his hands on my head and, our, and in our language said, I finally got to meet you, my child. My blessing will always be with you. A couple years later, my mom visited from back home and brought a whole bunch of old pictures from her parents' house in the village. When I went through those pictures, I saw the same old gentleman in one of them, standing beside my grandmother. I asked my mother who he was, and she wanted to know why, so I told her about the dream. She just smiled with small tears in her eyes, saying it was her dad who died way before I was born. He never got to meet me, just my two older sisters. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Now, these next dreams are actually kind of similar in nature, but from different situations. In the first part of the dream, I saw two little children. One was a girl, the other a boy. I knew they were related somehow, but not as siblings. Somehow I knew the girl was older than the boy, but by less than a year. All three of us were in a room together, and my mother came in, telling me to get the children ready. I did my best to help get ready for a party we were apparently going to have. I got the boy ready first, and after that he ran out of the room with his red truck. With the girl, I took the time to do her hair and dress, and when she came downstairs with me, she sat beside me on the chair and put her head on my lap. Then I woke up. A couple of days later, my middle sister told me she had surprise news for me. And right away, without thinking, I told her she was pregnant with a baby boy. Wow. She was surprised, as you may imagine. When I told her about my dream, she wanted to know who the girl was, if her baby was meant to be a boy. I said maybe our older sister was pregnant as well, but when we asked her, she denied it. However, four months later, we found out she was pregnant. When both babies were born, we found out my dream came true. The girl from my older sister was older, and the boy from my middle sister was younger. They were born exactly four months apart. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. In the next dream, my mother and I were in the living room, watching TV, and a baby was on the floor sleeping on top of blankets, with pillows surrounding him so he won't roll off. Suddenly, he woke up from his nap, and I called to him. He looked up to me with sleepy eyes, and I noticed he sort of looked like my nephew, my middle sister's son, who was about two at the time, but I knew it was not him. Something was different. A couple of weeks later, my sister again tells me she has surprise news. Right away, in my nonchalant voice, I said she was pregnant again and with a boy. This time, she was not surprised at all. <laughs> she just looked at me and said, you and your baby dreams. <laughs> she was about three weeks along, and then about eight months later, the boy came. Wow. In this fourth dream, I felt as though I was not in my body. I was sleeping in a bed, and the baby crib was behind me with the baby boy sleeping. I couldn't see the face of the baby. All of a sudden, the baby started to cry, and in a tired voice, I called my husband. 
asking him to take care of the baby so I could catch up on my sleep. I had already been up most of the night. When he picked up the baby boy, this time it looked like my niece, my older sister's child, who was about three or four at this time, but wasn't really her. Then I woke up. Lo and behold, four months later, we discovered my oldest sister was pregnant with a baby boy. Holy cats. That is crazy, Flo. That, that is crazy. What a gift. That's awesome. Don't ever have dreams about me, Flo. <laughs> Don't ever have dreams about me, Flo. <laughs> Brennan and his children. I am going to hit you. You're lucky I have short arms. <laughs> I can't quite reach you over and this table. And thankfully, you genetically won't pass them on. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's a good thing. The fewer of me, the better. <laughs> So thank you so much, Flo. Very cool. Our next story is from Brett. I'm so excited that you guys are doing the dream episode. I'm including several dreams of mine, dreams that I still sit back and think about, like strange, distant, though fond memories. Over the years, I've been keeping a dream journal, and I've sent you some of my favorites, unedited, and written immediately upon waking. The first dream is this. I just had a most bizarre and wild dream. While my grandmother was out shopping, her beloved black shaggy dog went missing. He was extra special because he could say one word in English, Mama. Sort of a Scooby-Doo voice, if you can imagine, which I'm sure you can. So because I did not want my grandmother to worry about her missing dog, I had to uncover my black shaggy dog costume, naturally to fool her for the time being. It was in a box inside the barn, and upon putting the garment on, I realized it was covered in ticks. But I didn't want my grandmother to be sad, so I wore it, tricked her as she pulled in the driveway, ran by her side as she walked up the lane to her house, and barked talking mama, and she never found out. I woke up before the real dog was ever found. The second dream was one of my most memorable detailed dreams to date. Upon waking, I remembered every detail, as though I'd seen it in a movie that I watched way too much. Last night, my dream began with me sitting at my childhood countertop, paging through mythology, legends, and monster book. A strange, Icelandic myth caught my attention. It was the story of a beast-like man trapped in the frozen earth, guarded by a dead-looking tree that was actually a gargoyle who would appear if one recited the correct incantation. As I read on and imagined more, I suddenly felt the sweeping motion of being pulled into the scene I was reading about. I looked around and found that I had to be in this enchanted Icelandic region where no mortal dared to step. And there was the twisted, haggard old tree. The incantation was whispered into my ear, perhaps by the wind, and I said it out loud, and the tree struggled its roots out from the gray and icy mud, spun around several times, transforming into a powerful-looking green lizard-like gargoyle. It told me I had the special honor of meeting his employer, and the mud under my feet began to feel softer, and it swirled up over my feet, finally pulling my entire body down to somewhere. I landed in a very large, very ornate palace corridor, dimly lit by candles, held by candelabras and finely dressed servants. One servant gently tapped my shoulder, and she began to guide me up a flight of stairs into a long but wide and very decorated hallway. She pulled a curtain to the side, spoke nothing, but I knew she meant for me to enter alone. So I did, and she turned and walked back down the hall. I found myself in a bedroom with many doors, rather entrances, because there were no actual doors. Each doorframe had a Turkish rug or a jacquard curtain nailed to the top of it. There were paintings covering the gold-leafed walls. There was a huge vessel sitting on a golden side table, and it held the most gigantic gem-colored flowers I'd ever seen. Then I saw him. Or at least... I expected it to be him, whoever that was. He had red, wiry hair and little tiny horns coming out of his forehead. He donned a striped tunic, and he was sleeping on a skinny little sofa, facing down with a Baja coat covering his face. 
Then he groaned a little, turning over and looking up at me. She took you to the wrong room. I said nothing, just stood there wide-eyed. He started up again. She took you to the wrong room. Yours is up those stairs. It's the attic. I was confused. My room? And then he got up, revealing his smallness, rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and smiled. Hi. No, no, I'm not him. I'm here for the same reason you are, and your room is upstairs. Follow me. He put on some slippers, grabbed an old cup of coffee, and took me back into the hallway where we proceeded to go up one more less elaborate flight of stairs. My room was quaint. There were two parts, so one nearly empty space housing two wardrobes, and it had a long horizontal window close to the ceiling. The next part of the room had to be entered by going through a crawl space-like square door, and this was the part that held my bed. It was a flat mattress on the ground with some yin-yang and peace sign sheets on it. The small reddish man said, yes, I know it's not like my room, but I would trade you any day. See this window above your bed? It doesn't look out to where you would imagine it look out to. You might think it overlooks the garden as it appears that way from the facade, but his smile seemed genuine enough, a little creepy but sincere. And the attic is also home to a cat. You'll meet her soon, I bet. But I have to go back to sleep. Our classes start tomorrow. Classes? I wondered what he meant. Was it a boarding school? As I was closing my small square door, a cat marched in and rolled over right away to let me rub her belly. She was the most uniquely colored cat, for she had a light cream body and the occasional gray spot, much like a Dalmatian. Her eyes caught my attention as well. They were icy and bluish white. I guessed that she must be blind. And then before I could meet the beast man or figure out where I was and why I was there, I woke up and craved coffee. The school thing reminds me, there was a dream someone sent us. I could not find the email because she legitimately sent it shortly after we started the show. Right. But I think it was from Melanie. And I'm pretty sure she talked about going to a school. Oh. A lot. Okay. But I can't remember the specifics of it. Melanie, I think you're, you're still listening to the show. Uh, let us know uh, because, again, we, we've misplaced that email. But I'm certain she told us about that. Cool. Sort of thought the idea that you know, it's it's not like his room, but it's better. It's not as grand. Right. But it's got a better view. Yeah. And I wonder if that translates to her life somehow. Yeah, that's You know, cool. she may not have the most grand whatever, but her view. Her insight is going to yeah. be different. Yeah. Which, I like that. I mean, knowing uh, just a little bit about Brett, who's, of course, an artist, I think, yeah, I wonder if that's. Yeah, she has a unique vision. Yeah. Absolutely. This one is from Brianna. Hello there. I just listened to your show talking about family members passing and saying their goodbyes. I've been seeing spirits since I was a very young child and it still happens to this day, but I wanted to tell you about my family's goodbyes. When I was 18, my great grandmother passed. She was an amazing woman who was 99 years old. Her mind was still with her having 66 grand and great grandchildren. Holy smokes. That's prolific. No kidding. And remembering all of our names and birthdays still. I remember her telling us about when the Titanic sunk. My mother and her were very close. When my grandmother was sick and close to the end, my mom was supposed to go on a work retreat but didn't want to leave her. She had been gone when her grandpa died and never got to say goodbye, so she didn't want this to happen again. My great-grandma said not to worry about her and to not miss work. She knew she loved her. Cut to my mother in a garden at a work retreat. Suddenly, she felt a great warmth cover her, and when she looked up, there was great-grandma, great-grandpa, and her uncle. My great-grandma smiled at her, and said they were all okay, they loved her, and to know that rough times were ahead, but everything was going to be okay. My mother my mother knew then that her grandma had passed. Nine months went by and my twin sister and I were in college. One day I received several phone calls from my mom and older sister. Me being in college and partying every chance I had, chose to ignore them until I got home and listened to my voicemail. My twin sister had cancer. 
This changed me in significant ways, mostly for the better because I cleaned up my act very fast. Mm. I remember my mom being very calm through the doctor appointments and one day I asked her how she could stay so calm. She replied only with, Grandma said everything was going to be fine. My sister had cancer twice but made it through. She is now married and loving life. While she was sick, both our grandfathers passed from cancer and with everything going on in our lives, I wasn't able to get to them and say goodbye. About nine years later, I was going through a tough custody battle for my children. The stress was through the roof. Then one night while dreaming, I walked into my grandma's house, which looked exactly the same as always. I walked into the kitchen where my grandma and her sister were cooking. They looked at me and said, oh, she's here, better give her some time, and walked out. Now, mind you, my grandma and her sister are still alive. I turned and looked. There was my grandpa, sitting on a stool, just smiling at me. I ran to him and hugged him. I could smell him and feel his hug. Nothing was said the whole time, then he whispered in my ear, everything is going to be okay, beepers. I woke up crying. I knew he was saying the custody battle was going to be okay and we were going to be okay and we were. I now don't feel that sick feeling of never saying goodbye. I know it was him because of the emotion I have even thinking about it. Nice. That's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. And the fact that you're her mom can do that too. Her mom takes comfort from that as well. Absolutely. Grandma's saying, eh, sure. it's going to be okay. That's wild. And uh, this reminds me of something I, I wasn't sure where to bring it up, but uh, a little while ago I was contacted by one of our listeners, right. uh, Carter. And Carter, I hope you don't mind me uh, saying this on here, but Carter lost his brother very recently. Right. And uh, he wanted to know how he could remain open. Right. Because and, and, he, wa- he wanted, it was an accidental passing. Right. And he wanted to um, to know how he could contact him. And I told him, I said, it's a, it's a time thing. It just, it has to come with time. Yeah. And you can't guarantee it will happen. Uh, but I told him a story of my own, you know, re- revolving around, uh, someone in my family who passed and who I eventually, after many months got to see mm. and say goodbye to someone who died, who I was very close with, who died, um, sort of very suddenly. Right. And it was months before I, in, in, in my dreams, I had a chance to see them and someone else I loved who died very suddenly years later. Uh, it was six years wow. before I got, before I was able to see them in my dreams. That's a long time. Yeah. So, uh, but Carter, we just wanted to send our love out to you. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, I know yeah. you, we, we've exchanged a couple messages, but, uh, we know what you're going through. We've both lost people. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And, uh, time is the only thing that helps. That's it. Yeah. But, uh, we just, this dream, I thought this is a great time to mention this and just to, to remind you that these things can come and you just gotta keep living life and, and be open to it. Just, uh, wanted to say that Carter, hope, hope you and your family are well. Mm-hmm. This last story is from Maddie. At the time my grandma passed away, my sister had been living with her, and I used to visit them both frequently. The day my grandma died, back in June 2013, was one such day. My grandma had already started having her stroke when she let me in the door. She'd started mumblings, having slurred speech, and within about 15 minutes of being at her house, I was on the phone with 911. She passed away about four hours later. I loved my grandma, and she was there for my siblings and I during our rough childhood but she was very obsessive-compulsive. Mental illness and anxiety runs in our family, but she, of course, didn't believe it. She liked to have things a certain way, and she was very stubborn. Right after she died, I started having dreams where she appeared to me at the front door of her apartment. She told me she wasn't able to come inside, and she was very concerned. She wanted to know if my sister and I were okay. She wanted to know what was going on, when her funeral was, who was taking her stuff, what they were doing with it, as well as what the state of her house was. She kept appearing in my dreams for a few nights, and I think it was her way of fretting over her earthly affairs, 
wanted to know what was going on, since in life she felt the need to be in control of everything, and she was a very anxious person. I feel like her inability to step fully inside her apartment was because she was no longer of this world, and she even had trouble seeing objects that I tried to show her. My family and I had been going through her old photos, and in the dream, I tried showing her the photos, and I distinctly remember her telling me, sweetheart, I can't see the photos, but what is everyone doing with my things? What's going on with my house? In a way, it was almost funny, because this was exactly what my grandmother would do, and she did it. Eventually, the dream stopped after a few nights, and I hope my grandma finally got to rest and let us take care of her things. Maddie also shared a couple other prophetic dreams with us. Uh, and Maddie, we absolutely appreciate you sharing with us, but the, I wasn't able to make the length work for the show, uh, but I want to say thank you so much for sharing us, uh, sharing it with us. We have one last, uh, little short dream. It's just kind of fun. Uh, it was from Brett. It says early this morning, I had one of those micro dreams packed with detail. I was even able to time it five minutes. It involved a grotesque, but pretty much normal girl named Yumber who was constantly hungry and she'd squeal. I have the Yumbers. <laughs> It was obnoxious. This made me laugh so hard when we read it. And I, I actually emailed her back and I'm like, I'm using that from now on. I have the yumbers. I have the yumbers. Whenever <laughs> I'm hungry, I'm just going to. And you know what would make my day? And, and our fans have come through on this before. Anyone who has any artistic ability, if you can create yumber for me. I would be a happy man <laughs> yes. because Yumber is now one of my true folk heroes. I'm just, <laughs> she's always, she's grotesque and always hungry and I can relate. Yeah. So. That, I was going to say that's <laughs> sounds like my spirit animal right there. <laughs> and the Yumbers. Oh my God. So funny. <laughs> so that's going to do it for the, uh, the mythical dream episode. Yes. And I know there are people who sent us dreams and we, over the years, we have, I, I probably, Ian's very organized. I have lost them. <laughs> someone sent me, someone from Nelson, uh, I cannot remember your name. You sent me a dream that was really interesting. Yeah. I believe you sent it via Instagram DM. Oh, don't do that. No, I mean, it's okay to message me. That's fine. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, stuff gets lost. Stuff gets lost. Yeah. If you're going to send me a story, I would, email. I would send it to the email, email. ghostoryguys at gmail.com because yeah, I... I lose, especially in DMs, I lose things because I don't want to screenshot it because I feel weird. Then it feels like I'm gossiping about you if I'm screenshotting your message. Uh, but um, I should be doing that just to remind myself about these things. Right. Uh, so if we if we missed your message, please let us know. If you want us if you want us to read it on another show, if you don't mind sending it again, <laughs> certainly appreciate it. Hate to ask, <laughs> but um, yeah, just because it's uh, hard to keep track as the show has grown, the amount of uh, correspondence we received yeah. has grown considerably. Crazy. Especially after the last episode. Yeah. Uh, crossing over, uh, the episode will be described, uh, the hospice nurse, Michelle, yeah. her dealing with people who have uh, are passing over really touched a lot of people, yeah. which is wonderful. We we really just, that means a world to us. Yeah. Uh, but it means also we get a lot more email. So if we, if we don't get back to or we take a long time or if we misplace something, have some pity. It's just, well, and if I take a long time to respond, I can now say, I have a brain tumor. Like, get off my back. <laughs> oh, he's going to be riding this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you, boy. You should buy me lunch because I have a brain tumor. <laughs> I think you should buy me lunch because who knows when's the last time you'll have to buy me something. <laughs> something nice. Oh, that's a good point. See? But no, Now that's how work. I know you have a tumor because yeah. you agreed with me. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much to everyone who sent in their dreams. And uh, again, if you have something you want to share, send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We will share it on air uh, the next time we do one of these. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have some patron shoutouts and our listener mail.
Welcome back. Thanks to our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain, for their help on this episode. Always. Be hooped without those guys. Yep. Uh, You'll actually get a chance to meet those guys because our bonus episode, which is coming next week, will feature all four of us. Well, hear them. You'll hear them, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not flying anybody in. No, no, no. One day, (laughs) one day. Once that Patreon gets there. There you go. Which brings me to the patron shoutouts. Yes. Uh, Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we would especially like to thank our new patrons who are... Aaron White. Rachel Kelsey. Nomi Cisneros. Eileen. Jackie Fitzpatrick. Scott Roop. Maddie. Emily Austria. Danny Deemer. Jackie Lip. Evan Prill. John Watson. And Glenn Subert. Thank you so much for helping us out, you guys. We can't tell you how much we appreciate mm-hmm. it. You guys help us pay the bills and, uh, yeah, just make... Life a hell of a lot easier Absolutely. for the ghost story, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. There was something we wanted to touch on, though. Uh, we had some patrons, because patrons come and go. Yeah. And uh, we had an email from a patron who had to uh, curtail her, her subscription. And, you know, she, she apologized. Yeah. And and we want you guys to know, we, we appreciate the support. Yeah. But uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry. Like, it. you know, if, if you either can't afford it anymore or yeah. you think, ah, you know what? This is not what I'm not where I'm at right yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Well, January people trying to save money after Christmas. Sure. Like we get it. hundred percent. We're as long as you listen to the show. Yeah. We appreciate it. You know, we, I mean, this isn't a, you know, please quit us. No, no, no. Jesus. No, we, we love, <laughs> we sure love money, but I just, we don't want you to think that that's, uh, that's a sort of a requirement no. for being part of the, part no. of the, part of the, the, the group. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we appreciate you no matter what. And I mean, sure. Patrons do get extra stuff. They get the water cooler where Ian and I talk about food and yeah. movies and uh, whatever the hell else we've been doing. Yeah. You know, and they get, uh, Luke Lore will be coming up. Yeah. And but what do the $20 patrons get, Brennan? $20 patrons get a copy. Uh, they get three photo postcards of my uh, night photography. Which, they look amazing. The, the, the printing came out the so beautiful. printer did a hell of a job. Yeah. And they get a copy, the high-res copy. Yes. Which is not available anywhere, anywhere. else. Of your 1995 smash hit Christian country <laughs> album, Aware of Wonder. And why do they get this? Because Ian finally found the stupid computer Yes, files Ian finally found the files. On an old backup hard drive. So, so to our patrons who have been pay, very patiently waiting Thank for you. this. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. And we will get those to you immediately. Yeah. And then new patrons, you'll get those right away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, 10, 10 and above gets you access to our live shows. And I know we haven't been very good at keeping up with that. Uh, but we are working on scheduling those once a month yeah. and making a thing of it so it's regular. You know when it's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, have a little more substance than just, I think last time, it, last time was really great. It was yeah. me and uh, a couple gals. We were talking about books. Nice. And it was fun. It nice. was a lot of fun. But I want to make it more inclusive. It'll probably be based on Patreon uh, because I, I've discovered they have a live stream feature. Who knew? Yeah. It's been, it's been there the whole time, but I'm a <laughs> big goober. No, just say it's new. Yeah, it's new. Yeah. Yeah. New. They just uh, put it in. Cough. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so anyways, I want to thank you so much for, for participating, so much for helping us out. Uh, but again, if you can't, that's fine. You know, we, I, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts during the break and there's this one show I listen to, I won't say which, but their Patreon is significant, but it represents maybe one to 2% of their total audience mm. and their fans are, some of them are pretty toxic. Yeah. You know, so they're not contributing, they're just listening. Yeah. And it really, uh, I've always appreciated the people who listen to our show, but oh, this amazing people really, really hammered home how lucky we are because we don't have 
to the best of our knowledge, we don't have toxic fans. We've never had... If we do, they're not saying anything, and that's just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, the only people who've ever given a shit over anything, I think, in, in one case, I think the person was being too sensitive. Yeah. In another, she was right, and yeah. we told her that, and we yeah. we copped to it on air. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and someone else <laughs> in one of the iTunes reviews had something to say. And, uh, she's wrong and I'm not going to, I'm not going to address it here, but you're wrong. You're too sensitive. I love you. And I hope you still listen to the show, but you got to get over yourself. Yeah. Um, but still we have such great fans. I don't yeah. want you guys to think that uh, you have to pay to participate. Right. As right. long as you're listening, sending us stories, hanging out, yeah. we, we are so happy with yeah. that. And we really are lucky. I know. Cause I read all the emails. Yes, of course. And, uh, it's just good people. And, and we have so many invites now to stay in all kinds of places all over the world. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they do that now until they realize we're actually going to take them up on yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. They do that. Cause they don't think we're really going to show up. But Raid all their food. We're collecting on that free food That's offer. Right. So soon as it happens, <laughs> when we can scrape the airfare together, watch out. That's right. We will be on your door demanding enchiladas. That's <laughs> the way that's going to work. All right, time for some listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. All right, so we had a lot of email during the break. So we wanted to thank uh, for all their kind words and all their stories, which we'll be sharing in, in the, uh, the days to come. Maddie, Ruth, Shelby, Rachel, Rin, Mel, Tyler, Tori, Tabitha, Hannah, Teresa, Erica, Allison, Charles, Brianna, Jessica, and Jim. And uh, thank you so much, everyone. We, we've we got so many great stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're definitely planning a listener story episode probably sometime in April. Yep. So keep them coming. Yep. And uh, that's, these are just the people who've sent us emails. I know there's a lot of people who sent us messages on Facebook, sent me messages on Instagram. Thank you so much. Yeah. One last thing. We received a message uh, from a listener named Chelsea. And this happened a little while ago, and I kept forgetting to bring it up on the show because I'm bad at this. Uh, Chelsea's been dealing with the unexpected deaths of some pets in her house. Hmm. And she believes, I, I, she said it's not carbon monoxide, it's not anything like that. So she wanted to know if there are any listeners out there who've had an experience with entities hurting small animals yeah, in I, their home. Yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, have you? Yeah, absolutely. A whole tank full of fish and two dogs. Really? Yeah, all in the space of about six months. So what did you do? Um, nothing. They moved. Really? Yeah. It just was really awful and really upsetting for them. The dogs were really part of the family. Yeah. So they got out of there and actually friends of mine bought a house to flip it. And I went there and felt something really uncomfortable there. Um, but they didn't ask me and neither of them are very sensitive to these things. So I didn't say anything. Right. Um, but in the space of that one year living on that property, both of their dogs passed away as well oh my god yeah really so there's no solution that you're aware of i don't well not if you're someone who's not able to sense that stuff right but if you are and you're concerned i would suggest like smudging or cleansing of something right for sure. okay well chelsea there you go I, i'm again i'm sorry it took this long to get it on the show That's I, really upsetting. sometimes i forget sorry about your pets absolutely yeah that that would heart that would break my heart that's going to do it for listener mail next i wanted to say congratulations to peter and his wife mary they are Parents. Oh, wow. Yeah. A couple nights ago in Moscow, they had their first child. Nice. A Russian baby. Young Alex. Excellent. He's a good looking kid. He sent me some pictures. That's amazing. So congratulations to those two. You guys, uh, you made yourself a cute little kid. That's awesome. Uh, what else? What else? I guess it's been, we don't really have much coming up. No. 
No, we've got. Uh, it's pretty. I'm doing two ghost walks in February. That's it, just to stay in practice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to go on those ghost walks with Ian, you can uh, send us an email at ghoststoryguys@gmail.com. I'll send we'll you the dates. Put you in touch. Yeah. I'd like to thank our musical guests, Hexagram, for using their songs Crystal Lake and There Are No Answers. Those are both from their brand new album, Crystal Lake, which you can find at uh, hexagram.bandcamp.com, also on all the major streaming platforms. Crystal Lake is what you heard during the bumpers, and as we go out, what you'll be hearing is There Are No Answers. Nice. And uh, it's just a, they're both great songs. I love the album. Uh, And There Are No Answers particularly has an organ at the end of it. Uh, that it just, I saw the wave, they sent me a picture of the waveform in the actual software and it's massive. Cool. Cause it's an actual organ. Oh, it's, wow. it's not a synth. Definitely check out that album. You're doing yourself a favor. And as I understand it, they've already started working on the next album. Wow. Awesome. So uh, some exciting stuff coming from those guys. And I believe there are videos on the way too. So thank you to Hexagram. Now I guess that's going to do it. There we go. We'll be back in a week with our bonus episode. And uh, until then. Into the darkness we go.
All I can think of now is you pitch shifting your voice, and it's like, I love boobies. That's all I can That that's is that's going the worst me. thing you've ever said. Uh, okay, it's saying. not the worst thing, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> Yoo-hoo. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah, it's been a long break. It has been a long break. <laughs> Strap in, folks. It's going to be a long episode. Come, come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. You're my butterfly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. In that voice to a baby. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm rubbing against the table. (laughs) Where's your microphone? (laughs) These are expensive. I'm not going to do that. All right, I'll behave. Smart ass. Jesus. What are they doing? Bowling up there? Sure, I don't want to know.